Good morning. <laughs> Our New Testament servant snapshots today are Philemon and Onesiphorus. Both men are known as refreshers of hearts to fellow believers. Philemon may sound familiar to you as the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to him and to the Colossian church that met in Philemon's house. Paul writes to encourage Philemon to forgive Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus, who is now a follower of Jesus returning to Colossae. Paul appeals to Philemon to welcome Onesimus as a new brother in Christ, and Paul is confident in Philemon's response because of his track record as a faithful servant of Jesus and his love for all the saints, including the newest one, Onesimus. Paul's words of appreciation and affection tell us what kind of servant Philemon was. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. I've come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. The second servant who refreshed the hearts of fellow believers is Onesiphorus. Paul mentions him as he writes 2 Timothy from a Roman prison where he faces death and has been abandoned by trusted friends in his hour of need, but not by Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus stayed with Paul through thick and thin. He went out of, out of his way to track Paul down and visit him in prison. In doing so, he showed compassion and great personal courage, risking his life to refresh his mentor and friend. Paul prays this blessing over Onesiphorus in 2 Timothy. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. You know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. With Jesus' mindset and strength, may we also refresh the hearts of others through hospitality and selfless service during their times of need. Good morning. So good to uh, be back with you this morning and uh, have the opportunity to share with you. I, I just want to say thank you to Eric and the band, the rest of the band, for kind of bringing us to this moment of worship, the opportunity to open our hearts and prepare our minds for what the Lord will have for us this morning. So thank you band for doing that in such an incredible way. Um, this series that we are in, as we are in this whole series throughout the summer of the witness and the, the way of Jesus, has been really encouraging for me as I've, as I've been watching online and, and keeping up. And Mike did such an incredible job last week of kind of setting the stage for us and really helping us to see this stark contrast that Jesus brought when he came on this earth. And he challenged us, Mike did last week, with the title of his message and kind of his encouragement of not so with you. And as Jesus followers, even this week, I can't tell you how many times I kind of reheard those words, not so with you, Dan, not so with us as followers of Jesus. And then today what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the most poignant demonstrations and examples of what selfless service looks like as we look at an account, something that Jesus did in his life. 
We're going to be challenged. I can promise you by that as I was challenged and in preparing this this week. We're going to be encouraged, which I'm excited about as well, because as followers of the way of Jesus, we're going to look at what it means to put into action what Jesus demonstrated, this, this uncommon way of serving and looking at our lives as, as our lives being given away to others and serving others. And so what I've titled the message this morning, based off of the passage that we're going to read, Do As I Did to You, the words of Jesus. And we're going to see that, we're going to see Jesus in action, putting this in action, and how he demonstrated this. We're going to see him use the power of selfless service. We're going to see him use the power of humility and humble service to demonstrate what true leadership and what true power actually looks like. And what we're going to see, as this series would suggest, we're going to see how Jesus enlarges the lives of others through selfless service. So with that, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read God's Word. Our passage this morning is John chapter 13. These verses are going to be on the, on the screen, so if you don't have your Bible, you can look up to the screens and see that. John 13, we're going to read verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, <clears throat> He also, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him, for this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent 
greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. There is so much to unpack from those 17 verses, and I'm sure there's going to be some aspect of this that I'm going to miss, but I love where we're going, and I love what we're going to see. And our primary takeaway that I want us to focus on as we think about this passage this morning is this. When we, when you and I selflessly and sacrificially serve others, we enlarge their lives and show them the love of Jesus, just as he demonstrated the same for us. I want us to look deep into this text this morning, John 13, and I want to see what inspiration, what encouragement you and I can receive from this demonstration, this washing of the disciples' feet. And I want us to look at this in context of the times and, and what was going on in Jesus' life and his ministry and where we are at this point. Let me point out a few of those things. Jesus' life, by all human standards, is in chaos and turmoil. His time on earth is coming to an end because and, and as he is fully human, he is distressed. He's feeling the weight of what is about to happen to him. His ministry, his entire life has been condensed into these last three years. He has been very busy in these last three years, and this is, these three years are coming to an end. Jesus knows that one of the disciples' feet who he's about to wash will betray him. Jesus knows that in a matter of moments, in a short amount of time, he's going to be arrested and he is going to be beaten. Jesus knows that his followers, primarily these men whose feet he's going to wash, are going to be scattered. They're going to leave him and they're going to run from him. Jesus knows that he is about to suffer a brutal death. And yet, Jesus selflessly stoops to the lowliest and most humble positions of all servants. He's going to wash the feet of these unworthy men in this room, the dirty, stinky, smelly feet of these unworthy men. And he's going to selflessly serve them as an example. I, I think of that when I think about Emmanuel, God with us. Never in all of, of all that Jesus has done here on earth has he demonstrated more. God with us. He's fully God, but yet he demonstrates his humanity and his humility in this act. He is also fully human. And it is in such stark contrast to the excuses that you and I make when we, are, when, we, when we are asked to serve or when we think about serving, when we have an opportunity and the excuses that we come up with, that I come up with, how many times have I heard or have you heard a need in our community? Or you've heard a need at church or, or in a ministry maybe that you love where there's a need and you've thought to yourself, 
gosh, I have way too much going on in my life to take that on. Or, or we might say to ourselves, hey, someone else will step up to do that. that. That's a little bit below me. How many times have we shamefully said or thought that? And I think that in light of what we see Jesus doing here, he's facing the end of his life and death. He is God, but he is also fully man. And he demonstrates right here what true leadership, what true power, what true Christ-likeness looks like and what it does in action. He washes their feet. He enlarges their lives by selflessly serving them. There's something else I want us to observe that I think is really helpful as we think about our own attitudes, our own responses to opportunities to serve. And it's this, and it's an example from Peter. Poor Peter. <laughs> we, we always pick on Peter, don't we? What a, what a great man, but he gives us such a, a great kind of a mirror to see ourselves. And Peter does that. He provides that for us here as well. And I think we need to look at some further context into this. There's another account of the Last Supper, the Passover meal from Luke. And I want to read Luke chapter 22, verses um, 7 through 13 to give us some additional context. It says this, Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large, un, he will show you a large furnished upper room prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. You see, Jesus, in the account that we read, we kind of pass right by that. We, we, we hear that Peter was told, Peter and John were told to go and prepare the meal. That was a big deal, the preparation of the Passover meal. We can't miss this because this is part of what we're going to see in the, the encounter with Peter and Jesus when, when Jesus goes to uh, wash Peter's feet. And here's a sample of what would be going on to prepare the Passover meal. They had one day to do it, by the way. Peter and John only had one day. They would have had to go and purchase a lamb. They then would have had to take that lamb to the temple to have it slaughtered. Then the lamb would have had to been approved and dedicated by a priest. They then would have had to go and find bread for the meal. They would have gone and found oil and herbs to prepare as part of this meal. They would have had to have selected wine. And in the Passover meal, there could be as many as four different kinds of wine that were served during the meal. On top of all of that, they were given one day to get those ready. And here's another critical element of the preparation of the Passover meal. They would have needed to have a basin and a towel in the room. And they would have needed to hire and have a servant who would wash the feet 
of the people dining and, and, and celebrating the Passover meal. So with this additional detail in mind, I want us to note this, that everyone in that room who knew the customs, who knew what the, the ceremonial Passover meal preparation included, they would have all noticed that Peter and John had missed a very important element of preparation. They had failed to bring in the servant. They had failed to hire a servant. Everyone in the room would have realized that. Did not escape Jesus's attention. Imagine that embarrassment by Peter at that moment when Jesus sees the need when Jesus recognizes that he needs to get up, leave his seat from the table, and go and provide the services that was meant for a servant. Peter missed it, and John. And then, with that additional context, think about, let's read this again. Jesus comes to Peter to wash his feet. So he came to Simon Peter, verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. You see, when we understand this additional detail, when we see that, gives us further insight into just how extraordinary it is what Jesus did. Everyone knew in that room that someone needed to do what Jesus ultimately stepped up to do. No one else stepped up. They all knew what was required and what was supposed to happen there, and no one else stepped up. No one took on the humility and the self-sacrifice of giving up their seat at the table to serve others, but Jesus did. It just gives such power to those words, do as I did for you. Be willing to give up your seat at the table. Yes, I'm your Lord, I'm your teacher, I'm your rabbi, and I am willing to give up my seat for you. To make this even more incredible, Jesus did this during the middle of the meal. That's unheard of. That someone during the middle of the Passover meal, this, the cleanliness and the, the law requirements of, of staying pure, of staying clean, Jesus in the middle of supper, in the middle of it, takes off his garments and does this. Who else would do that? Jesus would. Tell me again, what's your excuse for not serving? Tell me again how busy you are. Tell me again how the worries of life are keeping you from serving others. I can't help but look at this example and just feel, just feel the weight of my own decisions to overlook the opportunities in my own life to serve. Do as Jesus did for others. And what a contrast his actions are from just human nature. I mean, human nature would say, and it would ask, what's in it for me? 
Human nature says, well, that's below me. Human nature says, I have way too much going on. My calendar's way too full to add something else to it. But the way of Jesus would say, it's a privilege to serve. The way of Jesus would ask, where am I needed? The way of Jesus asked, what can I stop doing today that I'm doing for me in order to start serving others selflessly and sacrificially? When I look at John 13 and these, these verses, I recognize that the priorities of my life are off. I get that things out of order. I've, I've wrongly prioritized things. I've wrongly prioritized activities and calendar entries. If you and I, if we're really going to put into practice this demonstration, if we're going to put into practice what Jesus showed us and what he did for us, I am confident of one thing. Every one of us in this room need to have a shift in our priorities. Do as I did for you. Reminds me of, of Jesus' brother later, James, in James 1.22, where James says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And I want to recognize this, too. Some of you in this room and some of you watching online, you are doing this. You are serving. You are serving sacrificially. And I don't want to overlook that. I love that we're recognizing people throughout this series for the ways that they're demonstrating that. But I also recognize this. We're all human. We all need to, from time to time to recognize and, and look at the why behind we do things. What are, what are our motives? Why are we doing this, these things? And it's a time for us to, to get that in check as well. So I want to challenge each of us here to, to take some time to take an inventory this week. And I want to challenge each of us to do three things this week, whether you do that this afternoon or you do that tomorrow or sometime through the week. I want you and, you and I to do these three things. Number one, pray. Let's ask God to make us aware of the shortfalls in the area of service in our lives. Whether those shortfalls are in serving altogether or they're shortfalls in the motives behind why we're doing what we're doing. Ask God to show us his heart for this. Ask him to, to expose any motives for why we serve that are not Christ-like, that are self-serving versus selfless. So I want us to pray. Secondly, I want us to do this. I want each of us, and I've already begun doing this, I want us to look at our calendars. What are the things on our calendars that we are saying yes to today? Things that are, that are really self-serving that we could eliminate that would allow us to make room to serve others. But I want to make a disclaimer here. Listen, I recognize the need to refill our tanks for self-care that needs to show up on our calendars. I'm not saying we take all of those things away, but I am saying this. There are things on our calendar that we have that we think are absolutely necessary that maybe when we expose them to this story, this motive, this 
idea of serving selflessly that we could make some room to do something there. I'm too busy. In light of what Jesus was going through, he found time to stoop and wash the disciples' feet. And then thirdly, after we pray, after we look at our calendars, I want to challenge each of us in this room to reach out. Maybe it's a a need that you've heard about in the past. Maybe it's an opportunity to serve that you had said no to previously or an opportunity to give to a ministry that maybe you said no to, that you have felt the tug of the Holy Spirit ever since you said no to that. I want to encourage you to reach out, whether that's a need in the community or a need at church or a need in a ministry that you feel close to and, and, and you feel called to, where you've said in the past, I don't have time right now to do that. Prayerfully consider saying yes to something that previously you've said no to. It's a challenging thing to do, and I would not preach this without saying that I'm going to do that this week myself and try to reprioritize my calendar. And one of the areas of my life, I'll share this vulnerable piece with you that, that I've been convicted of as I've been preparing this week. My wife and I serve at a ministry in East Plano called the Local Good Center, and we have the opportunity once a month to serve foster families. It's a respite night. And it's been such a beautiful ministry for us to be involved in. It's a great way of serving. I had the opportunity to serve there last night, and I said no. And then I started preparing this message. (laughs) And I didn't like my reasons behind no. I was too busy. This weekend was too busy. I got to get ready to preach a sermon. I've got too much going on. We have family in town. So much going on. And we said no. That opportunity to serve has been a blessing to my wife and I. By blessing others. These families who have sacrificially given up their own homes for the least of these, for these foster children who need homes. It's an opportunity to give them two or three hours once a month to take a break, to, to, to be refreshed. And I say no to that because I'm too busy. I confess that to you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for showing me that this week. But there is... There, There is this idea that we got to see because Jesus tells us about it in these verses. You see, we've missed a blessing by not doing that. We've missed the blessing of serving others because of how fulfilling it is. And this is what I've learned, and this is what I know. Serving is one of the key ingredients that God uses in our lives to help us to gain a godly and a selfless perspective on life, when we serve, when we give ourselves selflessly. That blessing that we're missing out on by not serving is what Jesus talks about at the very end of this encounter, verses 16 and 17. Let's look at that again. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, You are blessed 
if you do them. There's a blessing in it that we miss out on when we say no. That's part of it as well. We cannot allow busyness, the cares of this world, to keep us from this call, this command that Jesus gives us to do as I do. We can't allow those things to do with it because you and I, not only are we blessing others, but we, that is where we are blessed as well. In closing, I, I just want to share a story with you that really, I think, illustrates this idea and this concept so well. Let me share this story. In the midst of the horrors of World War II, a shining beacon of bravery emerged in the form of a young woman named Irina Sendler. Irina, a Polish social worker, became determined to save Jewish children from the clutches of the Nazis and the despair of the Warsaw Ghetto. Risking her life on a daily basis, Irina joined forces with a Polish underground organization called Zagota. Together, they devised a daring plan to rescue as many children as possible from the ghetto's grim confines. With unwavering resolve, Irina and her colleagues forged false documents, creating new identities for the children and non-Jewish names with non-Jewish names and affiliations. But Irina's resourcefulness didn't stop there. Realizing the importance of, of preserving the children's true identities for future reunions with their families, she carefully documented each child's original name, their parents' names, and their whereabouts. She then hid these precious records in small jars, which she buried beneath an apple tree in the garden of a trusted neighbor. With her underground connections and immense courage, Irina orchestrated the smuggling of approximately 2,500 children out of the ghetto. The risks were unimaginable, but Irina refused to back down. Children were hidden in suitcases, sacks, coffins, and even through the network of underground tunnels and sewers that crisscrossed the city. In 1943, Irina's heroic efforts were discovered by the Gestapo. She was arrested, subjected to brutal interrogations, and tortured. Despite the unimaginable pain inflicted upon her, she refused to betray her comrades or, dis or to disclose the children's locations. Miraculously, Irina managed to escape before her scheduled execution, thanks to the bravery, bravery of fellow Zagota members who bribed the guards. Even after her escape, Irina continued her dangerous work. Assuming multiple identities and always on the run, she provided valuable intelligence to the resistance and risked her life to save more lives. Her unwavering dedication and selflessness knew no bounds. This kind of service is the kind of service that demonstrates what it looks like to give up our lives for others, to serve them selflessly. Irina certainly enlarged the lives of these children and these families who were later reunited to some degree. And as we go from here this morning, what can we do to follow this example that Jesus has given us, this selfless service? It's a big challenge. I mean, we're busy, right? There's a lot of 
cares in this world. There are a lot of things going on that would distract us and keep us from serving others. But Jesus told this and commanded us to do as I do. Wasn't do as I do if there's time on your calendar. Do as I do when things are going well in your life. No, it's do as I do even when those things are pressing in on you. And I just want to say a word to the students who are here listening. This is an opportunity in your life to create a habit, to, cre to create an opportunity to serve and to live a life of service, even if it's in your home, taking a moment to selflessly serve your parents, cleaning the, the kitchen, cleaning your room without being told, whatever it might look like, serving a friend, a friend in need, someone who, who maybe has not treated you greatly. How could you serve them? How could you demonstrate this example that Jesus has given us? And what if we obeyed Jesus' command to do as he did? What blessing, what adventure, what significance, what purpose might God reveal to you and your life for why you're here? we're struggling for purpose, if we're struggling for significance, no greater way of finding purpose and significance in our lives than to serve others. Let's be encouraged. Let's be inspired. Let's take the example that Jesus has given us, and let's do as he has done for us. Let me pray. Father, I am humbled by this this morning. But Father, I'm also encouraged because I know that you know our humanity, you know our frailty. And I know, Father, that you are a God of grace, you are a God of mercy. And there is grace for us for falling short in this area of our lives. But Father, your word, your command here calls us to live differently, to live selflessly, to give our lives away, to find true significance and true purpose. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, even now, would begin to move in our lives to show us where we've fallen short, where we can step up. Father, where you would have us serve? And who, Father, bring to mind people who we can serve selflessly that ultimately would point them to their loving Father, to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to represent your kingdom well in the way we serve others. Father, may we do it in love, and we, may we do it with your example, Jesus, in mind. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.